Thank you for joining me for Soulful Conversations with my community of fellow travelers, exploring the heart, the mind, and the globe. These conversations highlight what travel really means for the world. Soul of Travel honors the passion and dedication of the people making a positive impact in tourism. Each week, I'll be speaking to women who are tourism professionals, world travelers, and leaders in their communities. We'll explore how travel has changed them and how that has rippled out and inspired them to change the world. These conversations are as much about travel as they are about passion and living life with purpose, chasing dreams, building businesses, and having the desire to make the world a better place. This is a community of people who know travel is more than a vacation. It is an opportunity for personal awareness and it is a vehicle for change. We are thought leaders, action takers, and heart-centered change makers. I'm Christine Weinbrenner-Eyrich, and this is The Soul of Travel. For this special destination highlight, I'm bringing back my conversation with Maria Pacheco. I partnered with Maria and Wakami to create our Guatemala sojourn, and our social impact partners we choose are so important in creating our journeys at Lotus Sojourns. If you haven't already listened to our conversations in the past, you can hear more from Maria in season one as well. Maria was born in Guatemala and is a biologist and entrepreneur. She is a firm believer in the idea that collective dreams are unstoppable. She is also one of the people I look up to most and cherish as a mentor and friend. Maria is a Fulbright scholar with her master's degree in biology and she has received much well-deserved recognition of the work she has done to end the cycle of poverty in Guatemala. In this episode, we talk about the importance and power of individual and collective dreams. We discuss assessing and supporting a community in ways that it really needs, as well as how investing in women creates a greater impact. She also shares challenges faced in the communities in Guatemala during the pandemic and how they are being overcome. It is always an honor to sit in conversation with Maria. I invite you to join me now for my soulful conversation with Maria Pacheco. Good morning and welcome to Soul of Travel, Voices of Women. I'm so excited today to have Maria Pacheco joining us again from Guatemala. The last season when we spoke, uh, we talked a lot about uh, traveling to Guatemala. I had traveled there last year. I would actually have been just returning from there this year if life were the way we had thought it might have been. (laughs) And so, I'm so excited to have you with me here today, especially during this moment when I've really been missing um, Guatemala and that experience. So good morning. Good morning, Christine. It's so great to be here again and and talk about things that move us and and make us think. So yeah, thank you. 
Yeah, and we had, I think, probably a long list of things that we still wanted to talk about, and probably at the end of today, another long list, but <laughs> we'll just move through some of the things. Um, for those of you who didn't listen to our last conversation, um, Maria is the founder of Wakami Global in Guatemala, and um, the reason I wanted her to come back on during this season particularly for Voices of Women is because of the impactful work that you do in Guatemala and the recognition you've received for that and um, how much it inspires me. So I want to spread that to everyone else who might be listening. And uh, I just want to start kind of at our roots with talking a little bit about Wakami and um, the, uh, the artisan group and how that got started. And um, I just wanna begin with the idea, the thought that you always say, which is individual dreams are powerful and collective dreams are unstoppable. And that is something that resonates with me so strongly. I know sometimes we feel like we have this huge aspiration or vision or uh, wish to create impact and it feels difficult to do it alone. And I have found that there's not really a reason to do that. Like sometimes we have to get started alone, but there's so many people who are always surrounding us who I feel like come along to help us carry on in our mission and we bring the people along with us. Um, who need us and that builds that support. So it really becomes a community and collaborations that just keep evolving. So um, if you want to just talk a little bit about that collective dream and Wakami and where that began. Yeah, no, I, yeah. And, the, and if there's something I learned more and more is the power of collective dreams. Yeah, I think for us in Guatemala, the word dream is very important because sometimes the reality is very hard. So the dream is the one thing you hold on to that gives you the energy. And for us in Guatemala, we really started thinking about that because there, um, like I was saying, like in communities where we were working, I was just telling Christine, we started working in communities about 30 years ago. The war was still going on. After the war, more, more people were dying from poverty. But I think that the importance of dreams is to allow you to say, okay, this is where we are now, but we want to be somewhere else. And the whole journey of trying to create change is, it's like a GPS. You're here, you want to get here, you know, what do you need to do? But like, like you said, Christine, I think I started like having this dream of my own and it, it just started because I was like, oh my God, it's so horrible to be part of a country that allows children to die, women to die, this war to be going on. And, and first it felt like, you know, you want to just run away from the world, like moments like sometimes in this world are like that again. But just saying, okay, you know, what would move me? What would make a difference? And and uh, so starting to work alone on that dream or with somebody else. And then as you walk this journey, you realize more people join and some will join for a little bit and leave, but others will stay with you for a long time. And 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 instead of being Maria's dream or Patricio's dream, like the first guy in the villages, it becomes a collective dream where everybody gets some, gives something different and gets something out different. But together we're creating that change. And, and I think that's what gives me so much hope um, that it, it's, it's not just on you anymore, but you are supporting others and working with others to make change happen. Mm -hmm. And so Wakami is an artisan cooperative that creates opportunities for women in rural communities in Guatemala and with the mission of um, transforming the cycles of poverty that we see to prosperity. 
Um, how, how does that work? I, I know that investing in women is really important to create change. Can you speak to that and why that is so important? Yeah, and like, you know, what we were saying, when we're going to the villages, you know, sometimes that's outsiders, we don't exactly know what's needed. You know, you can, I, I was touched by seeing the reality, but it was really the women that said, if you help us sell what we produce, the rest we can do. I mean, I was a biologist, I got a degree in agriculture, and it's like, what do you guys do, right? So that's where we started, you know, seeing what the values, what the skills of the women were, seeing their products, but also realizing after trying to sell those products that we needed to really create a system where we would be looking at the market, what customers, what women in the world would want, and, and to design products for them, but that could be made by the villages, by the women, because those are their skills. And that's how Wakami was born um, as a brand. And what we do is like, we, we work, Wakami is a business, and with the women that we work, they each become individual businesses. So it's like a value chain of businesses. They, their business sells to us, and we sell you know, to threads or to other people, and, um, and that's how it works. And just really realizing that for the women, having that first source of income becomes key for the empowerment and for change to happen. But in Guatemala, because women, you know, usually the, the average school attendance is three, four years. So it's very hard for a woman to start a business and just for me to say, you know, guys, we need this, send it to us. So we have a methodology to incubate those businesses. So we have technicians that speak the local language that go to the village once a week for two years at least to make sure that as the orders start coming in, they start growing as business people with the legal requirements, the quality control requirements. And, and, and so that, that's how the system works. You know, you, you can't just order something. These villages are remote, there's no logistics. You have to set it up together with them. Um, but it's also their dream to be able to be part of a global economy. So their dream of doing that and my dream and Wakami's dream of saying, how do we you know, create prosperity? Those two come together to create Wakami as a brand of uh, personal handmade accessories. Yeah. I, I really love that it is not just a system of ordering and placing orders. Um, my, my interaction, and I'm so lucky to have met some of the women leading uh, artisan groups, and to see how empowered they are to be leaders in their communities, to start their businesses, to take the skills they learn through the Wakami training program and really apply it even to other businesses and um, and becoming mentors to other women that they know and work with, uh, it really, it ripples out really quickly. And so I think that's where you really see the importance of investing in women is because of the way we connect and the way we nurture, then if we have the success, we want the success for the other people that we love and that are around us and who need to have those same needs met. And so we don't really we don't keep the success to ourselves. i guess we want the success for everyone and so i loved like witnessing that unfolding when i was in guatemala and we learned first about that with uh, vital voices like i'm part of vital voices this glo uh, global uh, movement of women that really started in the u.s and you know we're guatemala is a machista country so the worst part of that is not just that men are not good to women, it's that women are not good to women, right? Um, but once you see the power of, when I went to the US for the first time to Vital Voices and saw women celebrating me, collaborating with me, it was like, it was a discovery, you know? And it really, once women can be empowered and tap into that role of supporting each other, I mean, really we go a long, a long way. 
so like you say that the women in the village in the villages say okay you know some of them have been with us 14 years they say okay my kids are out of college even now but there's other women with young kids we want to keep this going we want to now make a difference for them it's no longer about my kids it's the other women's kids and and you see that women lead differently and that's what we've learned with vital voices you know and there's there's exceptions but usually women when they have power when they have a good opportunity they want to spread it like it's can't can't be kept within us you know so yeah and and just to see these women empowered like you saw right now for example with school attendance there's no internet in the villages kids are not going to school so some of the women have taken it to them teaching classes and then going to the kids and so there's you know once somebody is empowered they can just you know create the change that they want to create for their community yeah it action becomes much more possible um for people listening vital voices is a global movement that invests in women leaders who are solving challenges around the world um, and I know they just launched a book that I'm really excited. I'm waiting to get it. The uh, 100 Women Using Their Power to Empower. And again, I think that's so important because um, I, I, I feel like it's almost trendy to say women empowering women in, in this certain time. But it's so important because... Um, we really see ourselves in each other and then are able to take these steps that we maybe have held ourselves back from. And it, it does empower one another, especially when we're connecting authentically. And I loved that traveling in Guatemala. And that's why I created Lotus Sojourns to create those global connections and interactions so that we can really inspire one another. And I know when I travel, I learn as much from the women I'm meeting when I travel um, as hopefully they are from me and that we're, it's a mutual exchange of inspiration and support. And um, I think it's really important uh, when we live kind of in our own bubble, we, we kind of get lost. And I'm sure um, this time you've seen that too, where we're all really isolated and we kind of forget, even if we were on that path of success or um, really moving forward, everything has kind of halted. Um, but to be able to just sit and share space with people who um, are going through the same experiences, even in a completely different way, it's just, it's really eye-opening and allows just this great um, freedom, I guess. I don't, I don't really know how to explain it, but it's, it's a really magical thing. <laughs> Oh, and, and I think, like you say, I think sometimes as women, we tend to to think of what we do as small as not important. I remember before I went to Vital Voices in 2006, I was like, okay, I'm working in the villages. All my friends thought I was crazy for not, you know, I came back from a, from Cornell, from a master's, didn't go to work for a big company. I said, I want to go to the villages. And, and like people just thinking we're crazy. And I think in myself, like, if, you know, like, I'm just working with these villages. I'm doing what I love. We're working together. We're, you know, planting trees, that first initiative. And when I went to buy the voices, they say, wow, Maria, that's a big deal what you're doing. And, you know, and, and, uh, and you're a leader. And I'm like, what, you know, and you're a social entrepreneur. And I'm like, what, you know, like for me, it was just in my head, I'm doing what I like and, and not seeing how important it is. So, so I think a lot of women were all like that. Uh, so Vital voices for me, not just allowed me to, connect, like you said, with other women and share deeply, but it also um, allowed me to see myself uh, um, in a little bit different light and see that what I was doing was important. And if many of us did that, 
it was going to be really important. Um, so, yeah. I, I love that. I, I mean, also one of the things that really drew me to you initially is that I see your heart in the work that you do. And I know that you, that is why you were doing it. And I love that it was a surprise to you that you were a leader and creating great change and <laughs> that someone had to reach out and honor you for you to see that. Because I think, I mean, I feel like some people maybe set out to create change for the for their resume, right? For, for it being something they can say that they did. And, and then there's some people who like you, you just are doing the thing that makes your heart happy and meeting the needs of your community and just doing the next right thing one step at a time. And so uh, I feel really um, honored that I get to witness that in you and just kind of, um, it inspires me to kind of to keep working in that way because I know it's what I what what I want to do as well. And um, I just I think that's really beautiful to connect with someone that it's just from their heart. And I see that in the whole community of Wakami that I've experienced is everybody is operating from their heart for the good of everyone. And it, it's, it's such a, an amazing thing. And I know that starts with you and, and ripples out, but it's great to be a part of that. No, and like we were talking earlier, Christine, and I think for, for everybody listening, I think um, sometimes we feel like changing the world is disconnected from our, what we'd like to do or, and for me, it's, you know, it's different when people say, oh, Maria, but it's, you're going to the villages. I say, what are you talking about? I love the villages. I mean, I love, be in contact with nature. I love having to dress informally. There's nothing to, nobody you need to impress. So it really, and I love trees. I love plants. You know, I'm a tree hugger. So it really, um, it's beautiful when you realize that you've, every one of us has a talent that we bring into the world. And, and that's, that's what we call the passion. And if that passion, we use it to, to, you know, to, to live a good life, but also to transform other people's lives. I think that's, that's, Beautiful in Wakami, we say global change begins at home. And at first I thought home is Guatemala, you know, then with the quarantine, home is the house and now home is us, you know, and what you were talking about, how, how we transform, as we transform us and we mix it with our passion and the gift for the world. And we unite that with other people's passions and gifts. That becomes a beautiful energy that can transcend the harshness of the moment. Hi, it's Christine, interrupting this episode for just a quick minute to invite you to join me for my Get Wild in Glacier Women's Wilderness Retreat. I'm so excited to share because last year when I partnered with my friend Becky Rupp from Trailblazer Wellness, we brought women to the top of a 14er in Colorado and knew we had to do it again. This year, we're headed to Glacier Park in Montana. I grew up in Northwest Montana and cannot wait to share this treasured corner of the world with you. You'll get to get wild and reconnect with your inner child as you hike, bike, ride horseback, and whitewater raft. Not only that, Becky and I spend three months with you preparing for this adventure and creating community you'll be excited to meet in person and share this adventure with. During these three months, you'll get one-on-one coaching with Becky to prepare for the adventure, as well as mindset and yoga sessions led by me, and education from other inspiring women about nutrition on the trail and packing for adventure, as well as learning from local educators about nature and wildlife and indigenous communities. This is a unique experience that adds so much depth to your journey. 
Registration for this Women's Wilderness Retreat closes on May 20th, and our virtual coaching begins on June 6th. Visit the Lotus Sojourns website for more information. I cannot wait to share my home with you. Now, let's hop back over to our soulful conversation. I think that's um, I think that's a really important thing to connect to, and um, I know that we were talking about this a little bit before um, in our conversation before we hopped on, but I know that at one point in your career you were actually asked to run as a vice presidential candidate on a ticket in Guatemala, and um, I know reading about that and thinking about that your first impulse would be like, well, of course you would do that. That's a, that's an honor. That's an aspiration that people would seek and uh, important and, and all of these um, kind of things that would be wrapped around an offer like that. And, um, and you didn't choose to do that and you chose to follow where your heart was really leading for you. And so I would love for you to share like what that awareness was for you because it really influenced where you went from, from that time. And I think that's important for other women to know, like we, we can follow our dreams and not just check boxes. Yeah, no, for me, like every, every time, you know, that I talk and, and, and sometimes when I went to Bible voices, just, you know, talking about the dreams of changing my country and everything. And of course, you know, like secretary Clinton and Kay Bailey Hutchinson were at the heart of Bible voices. I mean, it was foreign as a within a political environment, everybody's like, when are you going to run for president? When are you going to run for president? And, you know, it actually got into my head, like maybe, you know, I could be a leader for the country like that. Um, especially for us that, you know, people that say, you know, I want to create massive change. You know, you want to create massive change. Government is the way to do it. Um, but then as time went by, I realized that the way that I am, I wouldn't be a good, I don't think, or now anyway, I could, I could be a good politician first because it's, it's not what I'm about um, and, um, and realize that, yeah, I could have a lot of power, but I have to give up a lot of what I really love. And what part of what I love of my work is nobody has to vote for me to do it. You know, I, there's people that are waiting for opportunities and it's like, you know, it's, so, so that I love the freedom in which you can operate and, and the honesty to your values in which you can operate. I think to be a politician means you have to you have to, to sometimes give up certain things. There's negotiation. That's all part of politics. And, and I saw myself as saying, you know what, maybe Wakami's not going to be so massive, but if we can create this space that inspires others, that teaches that where we learn other ways to be, this is a magical space. It doesn't matter how big it is, but it's a space that, that is transformational, where alchemy happens, where, you know, people come in with um, thinking they're poor and they live... Um, thinking they're rich and knowing they're rich. And, and so it really took me a lot of going inside and saying, what's really important, the outside power or just being honest to who I am? And that's why I said, you know, thank you, but no, I, I will stay with Wakami and I will collaborate. Wakami has collaborated many times with government projects where what we have learned in our small space becomes one of those uh, projects. It was where the World Bank and the IDB became a $60 million uh, loan to Guatemala to replicate what we were doing. So yeah, I think to everybody out there, you know, it's like really you're going to change the world best from using your your talents and from doing what you love to do the most. The sm small twitches, you're not doing it just for yourself, but you're doing it for yourself, for your community, and for the world. And I think that's where 
So, but it, it, it's been, uh, you know, hard, just like, do I want to be a politician or when things go back in the country? I didn't run, but one of my best friends from Vital Voices did run for vice president for one of the strongest parties. She learned a lot. It was tough. Um, she's always used to winning. So she was like, oh, come, come within win. But she's, she's learned a lot on saying, you know, maybe this is where I want to make my career. So it's just being, you know, who are we and what is what we're about and being true to that. And it might manifest in different ways. But it's not, okay, politician, check, no. <laughs> doesn't work like that for me anyway. And it can be hard because sometimes what we really feel in our heart doesn't necessarily lay out on paper like we had planned. Like we often set out with a vision for who we think we are and we find out along the way like we are a part of that and it's different than the social suggestions of who we should be and how we should show up. Um, I, just as you were speaking, it reminded me of the, um, the Nawal that I received when I was in Guatemala that talked about um, your characteristics and who you are based on your Mayan sign and the deer. And I remember reading one of the things was that in order for someone who has that sign to be strong is that they have to live their inside on their outside, like they have to match. And um, I actually just was reading that before this and I was um, the same sign that I have. And I was like, oh, it's so true. Like every time I fight <laughs> against that, it falls apart. <laughs> exactly. So, so I think that learning and listening to ourselves um, really does send us in the right direction to have the biggest impact. And so it's like you said, the, the change starts at home and then it, it ripples out. And so and yet it's the hardest thing to hear ourselves, right? Yes. And there's many voices. So which one is the voice within ourselves? And as women, I think we, dub, we doubt ourselves mm -hmm. a lot. Is this voice real? Is this, but I think that, you know, being able to fine tune into that voice, that's what, what makes the difference. I didn't know you were a deer. K-I-E-J is the, the Mayan well for that. And uh, yeah, so Deer are meant to, to create a balance between nature and people. Deer are about bringing together the four races of the world, the four cardinal points, the four energies of, uh, you know, earth, wind, fire. So, so we're like uniting and it says that harmony is the most important thing for us, but the harmony comes from being inspired in beauty as well. Mm -hmm. So yeah, the Mayans were wise people. Cause when I saw my, my, I, I was like, why am I the way I am? And my parents are like this. And then I saw my Mayan sign and it's like, definitely. Now these Mayans know why I am like that. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, I felt, I felt the same. And when I went through the ceremony, the woman that was with us that was translating, she was like, Oh yes. Like, this I see, like, I just see it in you and my friend that was with me as well. And um, yeah, it was really validating for me to like see myself through that lens. So it was, it was really great. Um, uh, I'm going to go from there, I guess, right into talking about uh, agriculture and um, right now the, um, the projects that you have with um, sustainable food projects and um, regenerative um, agriculture practices and um, with actually I'll back that up so I mentioned I was supposed to be in Guatemala this last week 
yeah being a sojourn so a little sad about that a lot sad about that but i will be there soon as i can um but in that absence of travel it really got me thinking about all these communities that i love to visit when i am traveling and what could the lotus sojourns community do for not only the communities i visit but my other colleagues um and so I wanted to create awareness about what happens when the tourism dollars disappear. Like it's a big ripple effect. It's not just that we don't get to go on a vacation. So many things are in place, especially when you travel um, in a way that supports local communities, which is what is important to me. And so I wanted to, one, create awareness to that impact to find a way that I could still support those communities and three find a way to continue to build community amongst the people who would be traveling or who may travel in the future and so I launched Lotus Communities and reached out to you and said you know I want to support Wakami what projects do you have going on right now and I was like of course perfect timing um, that you guys are really focusing on this agricultural um, asset for your communities. So I would love to talk a little bit about that work. And I know it brings you back home, like you just said, like into the dirt and growing things and bringing that part of yourself to the Wakami artisans as well. Yeah, no, for us, um, and thank you, you know, like I was getting tilts as you were talking because this connection means so much. Um, for us, I think when the, when the COVID hit, it hit us in, in two ways. Um, and it was like, you know, we were trying to get masks for everybody and a mask, even the disposable ones at the beginning were $10. And I'm like, where are the women in the village is going to find this? So our first initial reaction was, okay, you know, how do we get the women protected? And that's where the mask making project started. And now we sell masks, but it was very important. But second was, oh my God, markets are going to be in and out of these communities, but where's the food gonna come from? And that really worried me because Guatemala is already a place where 50% of people suffer chronic malnutrition. So that means the quality of food is not good. And it was like, with no jobs, with the communities closed for COVID, where are people gonna eat? So we have been looking a little bit at that uh, with a, a Guatemalan leader that lives in the US that really developed the regenerative agriculture methodology that starts with um, hence that, you know, lay eggs and then so the community immediately starts having protein, which is something that is not easily available. And then with the, the chickens, with the manure in the field to start growing other crops. So it seemed to me, I have been an organic farmer to, for 10 years, but no, more focused on export crops. And it's like, no, the native, if we have the chicken manure in the farm, and it just made clicks so that um, we got started thinking about a pilot. And when, when COVID happened, uh, some projects we had with the Embassy of Sweden and, and FAO were like, let's just totally switch to regenerative agriculture. And and it makes so much sense because now, you know, through Wakami or through coffee, which is another, um, these communities have an international market, but now with the regenerative agriculture, first they have food for themselves, eggs and native plants um, are have a good market locally. And now as more women start doing this, we can go regionally Like then, you know, if you have 10 women doing this in a village, we can come to Antigua to the restaurants and have a, so you can have a, a personal market, a local market, a regional market and a national market. And so, and, it, and it's beautiful because you already, you know, when we thought of this project, it's like, oh, we're gonna try to 
see who wants to do it. When we went to the villages, women had already attempted a lot of this but without the technical support. So they're like, now it's like, oh my God, you know, we've, they said, you know, every time we get a project, there's a politician wanting our votes, but this is so good. And so now you go to the villages, you see the chickens, you see the eggs, you see the native crops growing, and you see women now because they have to sell, you know, going to stores and starting to, so it, it even is harder than just, uh, you know, doing the Wakami jewelry because now they really, it's a full being a, a business leader. And, it, and it's beautiful to see that what it's based on the richness of the country. You know, Guatemala, we're, we have very bad social indicators, but the diversity and the soil and the weather allows for organic agriculture year round, you know? So, so for me, it's back to basics. It's back to the communities. It's back to honoring people and the earth. And, um, and we're, we're still experimenting that the feed of the chickens is the most expensive thing. So now we're going to try, you know, more local um, food for the chickens. And that brings other people into the value chain. So it starts really becoming a circular economy where everything, you know, goes around in the ecosystem. And money coming from the outside from other value chains dynamizes the whole local economy. But if one day there's not that market, there's food in the villages. And so I love the word um, food um, autonomy. And that means that communities, you know, if one day there's not a market for X or W reason, they have their own food and they can feed their, their families and the community. It, I love that. And it really got me thinking about food production in the United States too. And I often think about this when I travel because most of the time you're consuming food locally. We don't, you don't have the privilege in many other countries to be eating, you know, banana, bananas from Ecuador and pineapples from, you know, all these places that we get food imported in the United States. And, um, and the food is really delicious because it's local and it hasn't been transported and it really tells the story of the place you are because it's from the place and so I was even thinking about it a little bit from a tourism perspective that creating these gardens um, it just adds one more thing too that they can share with people when they visit and I know I did visit a few organic gardens and I just I couldn't believe like you said the abundance and the richness and I had never seen kale look like trees. I mean, I just never seen things growing the way it grows in Guatemala. And um, so I think that when you look at it from that perspective too, like it's just another way to connect people to the culture and the land and the place and really get an understanding of the environmental impacts and the social impacts like it creates that conversation and so i'm i'm really excited about that just being one more tool for connection for the communities and when we travel to have those meaningful moments so i'm i'm looking forward to that and eating really delicious food from from the community yeah you know guatemala like if you want to change climate all you have to do is change altitude you know it's a small country but with all the ecosystems so you know within 40 minutes of walking, you can go through three different ecosystems, which gives you that diversity of plants. Um, so that's great. Uh, Guatemala has a lot of the superfoods, you know, like avocado. And um, I, I mean, there's there's many um, chia seeds, uh, amaranth. I mean, those are all, you know, a lot of the Latin American countries have those superfoods. 
but like you say i think for me that my vision now of you know like what is a true celebration these days is what i call the shared table you know so when you have a, a table with all the food grown locally and people from the village and people from other communities like you guys came and we're all sharing at that table but and you know in honoring the earth and honoring each other so for me the concept of a shared table that is from you know from farm to to the table right there it's like that's for me the symbol right now of prosperity of richness of wealth of abundance of gratefulness you know all as a community sharing one table so and with this regenerative agriculture we're being able to do it you know just waiting for for like you said you know when the fact that people can't travel really affects these communities that were set up for tourism so finding these other ways becomes key and uh, and knowing that when things are good your seat at the table is waiting for for you and, and everybody that wants to come to Guadalajara. thank you um i and i i think it's so powerful too because we did see with the, the loss and the halt of travel how how places are impacted that this is a project that not only you know serves as something interesting and interactive for a travel experience but it goes beyond that and does serve the community so it it, it serves both needs it creates opportunity in both directions it's not like having um, a vendor store or something where if you have no travelers then you you're not left with anything when you are growing food that you're then sharing with the community and inviting travelers in it has that benefit as well and so i really love that idea and then the idea of abundance um mirrored through celebrating the land um i think that's really beautiful it, it like reinforces the value of culture and the planet and the earth and just shows that importance not only to people who might be traveling there but to the people who live there who who maybe have lost that connection or lost that appreciation for the that abundance um i know when i've been traveling for one one story in in africa and they were showing me all the things again it was in uganda and it was another place much like guatemala where it's just so lush and everything grows and the bounty of things that they could provide was endless it just wasn't a financial thing that they could give and it was it was really beautiful to hear them talk about what they had in that way and then um in planting um one time i was volunteering in um along the amazon and we planted um palm and all these other things in the garden behind the school that the kids helped to grow so that they could learn about growing but then they had food that they prepare, prepared for us for a lunch and the whole process of like planting with them learning about the the plants things that i had never eaten and then eating them and having them share um when i look back on that it's such a powerful connection and every time i see a dish like that somewhere else it like draws me right back to that moment into that love into that abundance that i felt and so i really think um it just has so many levels like you said like it kind of connects the dots like it just comes right up to where it should and through and through going back to basics you know my my brother he's a he's a missionary he's a priest and he says maria i've learned that uh poor people is it, it, it's not related to how much you have 
it's related to how much you're willing to share. Um, and so, you know, when, when these communities have this abundance of crops, they will, you know, they will give you food, you will eat, you will come home with. And so it, it really brings back the energy of abundance and sharing that then, of course, it's important to have that, the money as well. But it starts by being experimented at that level. So, you know, you go to a community here and you come back with mangoes and <laughs> chicken sometimes. I say, no, that, you know, that'd be harder for me, but avocados, the mangoes, the everything. And um, and it's all based on what's already here, what's already in the villages. It's just valuing it and finding a, a way to uh, for it to really generate wealth and to reconnect the communities. Because, you know, when women have not been educated, they think maybe, oh, a, a soda or junk food, it's packaged, so it must be clean and it must be better. And when you're able to, to reconnect to know, you know, of course we need clean water in the communities and that's one of the other challenges. But once you have that, how, you know, all that they have really takes on a new a new value for them. And and when you honor where you are and, and what you are, that's the first empowerment, right? When you're proud of, of your roots and regenerative agriculture allows for that. Yeah. Yeah, it's a beautiful model for creating that that connection and bringing you back home. Um, I know that you also mentioned, you know, beyond meeting this initial need for food, even today that you were ex uh, experiencing the follow-up of a hurricane. And so, you know, just thinking about, uh, and for people that haven't traveled somewhere like Guatemala, what that means for roads washing out and bridges washing out. And again, food access becomes really, really important issue. Um, so it, it kind of goes beyond the, the parameters of COVID. Like this is something that is so important to have in place and really will help to support the communities in the long run. Yeah, no, like where you were saying, you know, with the hurricane that was uh, two weeks ago, some of our communities were disconnected. And now I just got the, the communication that the bridges are off for two or three of the communities where we work. And my first thought was like, oh my God, now, you know, the, the, the farmer's going to have so many chickens. What are we going to, so many eggs, you know, what are we going to do? And then it was like, oh my God, he's going to be able to feed his community now with those eggs. And that's exactly what's happening, you know, like, and so his community is starting to value um, the women or the men that, that have these farms uh, because now it's like there's food locally. And today, the only thing we're saying is because electricity went off as well. Now we're going to find the solar energy kit so that they can have access to phone and to light. Um, but yeah, when, when, you know, a river goes through these things that the families are disconnected for a long time. And with, you know, it's hard for the government to, you know, reinvest again in those bridges and everything when, when it happens. So one after the other. So yeah, these people are now heroes in their communities because they are being able to feed, you know, the, the, the families there with their product. So it's taken on a whole different dimension as well, right? Yeah, yeah, I, I, I think it's so, so amazing. And it, it allowed them to solve one problem, which then empowers you to solve another problem, right? Which may be the solar. They'll say, you know, we've, we didn't know that we could invest in this regenerative agriculture, but we've tried it before and it didn't, it, we didn't thrive in growing things, but now they've had that success. And so it just makes it easier then to, to take the next step. And then, you know, solar power might be something that they navigate. And then what's the next step? Well, the clean water and it just keeps building as a community. Yeah. 
But it's and it all starts and it grows faster as, as they are more sure of themselves and they recognize themselves as leaders and as change makers, you know. And that's a key to all of this at the end. Yeah. So yeah, we're happy now asking how many eggs and how many chickens and how many cracked eggs and you know, like all the indicators are changing. But it's fun to see now the beets growing, the Swiss chard growing, the all the other native plants that have different names in Spanish and and just to see everything growing and being circled around and the chicken manure going back to the coffee or going back to the organic gardens and, and just other people working together because now they will depend on each other for, you know, some to produce the food for the chickens, the other have the eggs, the other. So you start really having a, instead of a, like a poverty spiral down, it's a prosperity spiral up. And it's just providing the opportunities and part of the knowledge and then, you know, they run with the knowledge. Because it, it was embedded in them, so it's just temporarily forgotten, I would say. Right. Yeah. yeah. I love that so much. Though. I love for all of you listening, and then for you, Christine, to be back here and be able to, you know, to sit at one of those tables and, and, and listen to the women. Like one of the women, um, her husband is in the U.S., and she's saying, oh, if this grows, you know, I hope he can come back. Because, again, Guatemala is a country with only 20 out of 100 people with a formal job. The rest of the 80% have to figure out what to do and it's hard when COVID plus hurricane plus a lot of stuff. So so yeah, it's it's just fun to hear her, you know, cry of I mean I mean hear her tell her story, but now how there's hope at the end of that story. Her two kids are going to college and you know, like it's it's um it's beautiful stories of change that we can create for each other as we work together. Yeah. Excellent. Um, well, I'm happy to just continue to see how we can grow and support one another and to keep bringing more people into the conversation so that it just keeps building. And um, I just wanted to share for anybody who's listening, and we were talking about the Lotus communities that I launched. I have mine on today, which it says, she will move mountains. And I had, when I saw that quote, I really thought of those women that I met in Guatemala and they were moving mountains. And um, the quote, I don't have the whole quote in front of me, I should have brought it, but it says, it's something like, let her sleep now for when she wakes, she will move mountains. And like the women are waking up and they're moving the mountains. And um, it's so exciting to be able to witness that and to share in a part of that journey. And um, so this month um, with Lotus Communities, uh, $10 from every shirt is going towards these agriculture products, projects. And um, I'm also gonna roll that over into December because I had a goal of what I wanted to raise for Wakami and for these projects. And I didn't reach it. This is the beginning of this initiative for me. So, um, December is also going to be celebrating the, this work in Guatemala and I'm going to be announcing the new design for the shirts. Every month will be a new design, kind of limited edition um, with an inspirational quote that kind of taps into the community. And, um, and actually, I haven't even shared with anybody yet, but it's going to be Together We Rise, which I think is... I love that. I'm getting chills as so you say this. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I'm, I'm just so, I'm so happy to be able to, to create awareness and do whatever I can to, to support and continue to build community. And so I'll, I'll share um, with this conversation how people can connect with uh, Lotus Communities and also with Wakami. Um, and if there's any other projects right now, um, 
or any way that people listening can reach out to support Wakami and to learn more about anything that you would like to share, I'd like to give you the space for that as well. No, thank you. First, I mean, I got chills. Those quotes are so true. You know, with the women from Vital Voices, because we launched Vital Voices in Guatemala to try to, you know, mentor other women. But the truth is we've been walking together with like eight women and we are like each other's support and together like one of them. I mean, each one is doing very different things that are breaking the glass ceiling for women in Guatemala, and it's because we're all together. Yeah. So no, one of the things that um, you can go uh, to Wakami, well, Wakami Foundation, um, we are raising money for scholarships for the different villages. Before Wakami used to give like smaller amounts of, of um, scholarships, especially for junior high school and high school, because those are not free, you have to pay. But now with, you know, less people with work, those are going to be bigger. So you can actually go to the Wakami Foundation and there's donations for, you can choose which community you want to do. So that's helping a lot. Um, and, and working with you on the shirts, I have some ideas because we're starting a screen printing workshop with some of the women. So I don't know. I think there's so much to do. But I think the most important thing, I, I love what you're creating, this community. Um, I think there's just my imagination sparks, as you said, you know, the locust communities and, and what we can do together. So I just want to say thank you. Thank you for thinking about us. Thank you for that connection. And for everybody listening, you know, like I think this are this moment's call for being heroes, all of us, and stepping out of our fear and just doing what we want to do and knowing that there'll be a community to stand by you and to, to support you. So thank you for this. You're, like I said, your seat at the table is, is here. It's set. Uh, for one day we can join, we can celebrate. But thank you for not forgetting about us. And I'd love, I want to see more of the t-shirt the project with you. It's, it's beautiful t-shirts that inspire us all. So thank you for doing this, Christine, for it be easy for you to forget about this and say we'll get started when things happen again. But to keep this connection, I'm grateful for. So thank you so much. Thank you. My heart will always have a little peace waiting for me in Guatemala as well. So... Thank you so much for being with me today and for sharing this with everybody who's listening. Thank you for listening to The Soul of Travel. I hope you enjoyed the journey. If you love this conversation, I encourage you to subscribe, rate the podcast, and share the episodes that inspire you with others. I am so proud of the way these conversations are bringing together people from around the world. If this sounds like your community, welcome. I am so happy you are here. You can find all the ways you can be a part of the Soul of Travel and Lotus Sojourns community at www.lotussojourns.com. Here you can learn more about Soul of Travel and my guests, You can see details about the transformational sojourns I guide for women, as well as my book Sojourn, which offers an opportunity to explore your heart, mind, and the world through the pages of books specially selected to create a unique journey. I am all about community and would love to connect. You can find me on Facebook at Lotus Sojourns and join our community, the Lotus Sojourns Collective. Or follow me on Instagram, either at Lotus Sojourns or at Soul of Travel Podcast. Stay up to date by joining the Lotus Sojourns mailing list. I look forward to getting to know you and hopefully hear your story. Mm-hmm.